What is up, everybody? Thank you for checking out a new episode of the Babacoa Core Podcast. I am your host, Patrick C. Huerta. Uh, thank you again for listening. Thank you for following the podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, if you have not done so yet, subscribe to whichever platform you use to listen to podcasts, uh, whether it's on SoundCloud or iTunes. I also post the audios on YouTube as well because uh, some people use YouTube to listen to podcasts. Um, so if you subscribe, you'll be notifi- notified anytime a new episode has come up, is posted. Um, since uh, now I'm trying to do weekly, but the day has been changing, uh, just depending on how busy that week prior is. Um, so yeah, if you stay in the know, if you subscribe, you'll get notifications whenever a new episode is posted. Um, also, uh, rate review, um, or like any of the, on any of the platforms, uh, that just helps the pos- the podcast visibility, um, you know, just to get more people in the know of the Babacoa Core podcast. And so you can share it with them. And that's very much appreciated. Thank you for doing that. Um, yeah. And all the links, all the social medias, all the uh, podcast platforms could be found at www.babacoacore.com. Uh, along with any events that I have coming up will also be posted there. The next event that I am part of is July 19th. That's uh, going to be part of the comedy competition um, that Mind Twist Comedy is putting together. That's going to be at the Elbow Room off of Parambital. Uh So that's July 19th. It starts about 5 o'clock, I think. Uh, it is a free event, but you could RSVP your tickets on Eventbrite. And you can find that link on my page, Court. Dot com. Uh, yeah, so let me do the, the, the shout outs. As always, a shout out to uh, CBDB. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at mycbdb, or you could use uh, follow them or find them um, on their website, mycbdb.com. On that website, you can use promo code TXMC to get 15% off of uh, any purchase you do through that website. Uh, or you can follow them on Instagram to find out where the pop-up shop's going to be next at MyCBDB. Uh, CBDB is the Texas Hemp Botanical uh, Alternative Boutique and pop-up shop for all your CBD needs. Uh, also, shout out to 10.4 Manuda Imas. You can follow them on Instagram and Facebook to find out where they're going to be next, where their next pop up's going to be. Uh, they specialize in Manudo, but they also do like pulled pork sandwiches, uh, shredded chicken sandwiches, and tacos. Um, I think at one event, one pop up they had for the local. Uh, so they change things up from, from time to time, and, and uh, you never know when they're going to do a pop up. Sometimes, uh, they just do random pop-ups uh, with, a, with a couple of days' notice. Uh, so you want to follow them on Instagram or Facebook to find out what they're what they're up to. Uh, also, shout out to Ugly Head for letting us use the the music for the outro of uh, this episode. Um, uh, Ugly Head has a new EP out, the Disembodied EP, uh, that you could get digitally through their Bandcamp page. Uh, you can find the 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 link to their website, theuglyheadmusic.org. Um, that is also linked through the Babacoa Core uh, page, babacoacore.com page. Uh, special shout out to uh, He Whose Ox is Gourd. They are letting me use um, Nightshade as an intro for the podcast 
So I'm super stoked about that. I also played drums on this track, and I forgot how how dope it was. And I listened to it. Um, I forgot about it, um, and I just listened to it recently. And I was like, "Fuck, man! I want to use that for the podcast, and I also want to use the ugly head track." So now I'm gonna dig both. I'm gonna use both of them, uh, which I'm pretty stoked about. So thanks to Ugly Head, uh, thanks to He Who's Ox's Gourd, uh, much love and support for those uh, those people up in Seattle. Um, so yeah. That is it for today. Oh, yeah. Also, support the Blind Tiger Comedy Club, everybody. Um, I don't know uh, if you all know about this. Blind Tiger Comedy Club is in the basement of the Magic Time Machine. Uh, so that's like a, a theme restaurant, Magic Time Machine. Uh, in the back, they have the Mind Shaft. They do karaoke, and then they have bands play there randomly. Uh, but on in the basement of the Magic Time Machine is the Blind Tiger Comedy Club. And they do shows every Friday. Uh, they have a 10 p.m. show and then a midnight secret show. Uh, they change it up every now and then. So find them on uh, social media, the Blind Tiger Comedy Club, uh, to find out what they got going on. Uh, like I said, on mi- midnight, they have the secret shows, secret lineup shows. Uh, maybe I might be on that lineup. Some weekends I may be, some weekends I'm not. Uh, but you should definitely support that, support that room. Uh, so yeah, they have stuff going on on Fridays. Uh, they have uh, some stuff going on on Sundays. You can check out. Uh, so find them on Instagram to to keep in the know of what they have going on. Uh, yeah. So this is an awesome episode uh, that I'm really just going to talk about the return to the Metal Capital event that went down this past Saturday. Uh, special thanks to Rob Chavez of Rob's Metalworks uh, for letting me be involved in this uh, event. It was pretty pretty awesome, uh, pretty cool celebration of the 80s metal scene in San Antonio. Uh, so I was pretty stoked to, to get to meet a bunch of the people from the 80s metal scene. And they also had the Metal Mayhem exhibit that opened up. That is uh, that can be found at the UTSA Institute of Texan Cultures for the next six months. They'll have this this uh, exhibit up for the next six months. And my past guest, my last guest on the last episode was Ruby Garza of Text Pop, and she's the one that that uh, was the one that put together the that exhibit, uh, the Metal Mayhem exhibit, uh, which has a lot to do with uh, what what went on in San Antonio, the San Antonio metal scene back in the late '80s, the early '80s, late '80s. Uh, into the 90s um so yeah it was a pretty pretty cool event um and uh like so this past saturday they had by fist playing like some of the essay uh metal classics so of course they played uh by fist tunes they played some juggernaut they played some Hellstar, and they played a, a essay slayer track and they also played uh yeah yeah and then a bit another by fist track um so it was cool got to meet a bunch of uh like a bunch of people that were in the scene back in the day uh really cool seeing everybody reconnect and they had like some a, a book uh, that was done um what was it called the book uh my view from the inside the pit or something like that it's like a picture book uh, of all these ph- photograph uh photographs that were collected uh that took place like at uh, different venues different concerts uh from back in the days back in the 80s uh so that was pretty cool and uh, so on this episode, I was able to sit down with, with uh, uh, Larry Baragan. He was, um, he's in Hellstar, the guitar player for Hellstar. He's also the, this, the guitar player for his current band, uh, Santa Oscuridad. 
Santa Oscuridad. They're a metal band, uh, the Spanish, uh, I guess Spanish metal band. Um, so really cool. That's what he has going on. We talked about that a little bit. Also had Buster Grant um, on the episode. Had a short little discussion with him. Uh, Buster Grant's from Wizard from back in the 80s. And he's currently working on a new project called Living Dark Days. Um, L-I-V-I-N D-A-R-K D-A-Z-E uh, Pretty good uh, new project that he's working on now. Uh, more about that should be out uh, soon. He's still working on stuff in the studio, but he has some stuff available on YouTube you can check out uh, under Living Dark Days. And also got a brief, really short conversation with Nacho Vada. Uh, we were actually getting kicked out uh, during um, our, our sit-down discussion because um, the place closed like at 5 o'clock and the whole event was kind of running behind time. Um, so we pr- probably sat down for like five minutes just trying to talk about by fist and talk about seance. And um, so hopefully I can get these guys back on the podcast, give them more time, give them a, like an extended conversation uh, just to push and promote whatever they have going on now. Um, so, yeah, hopefully you enjoy this episode. I enjoyed uh, last weekend the event being part of the Return to the Middle Capital event. Uh, again, thanks to... Uh, uh, Rob Chavez of Rob's Metalworks. Also, thanks to Greg Garrett of the UTSA Institute of Texan Cultures. Uh, he really took care of me. He set, set me up uh, on the tables, chairs, waters, whatever I needed. He was the go-to guy. He was a showrunner for the day, and I appreciate him all his help um, for everything. And uh, yeah, so let me do SoundCloud shoutouts, and then we'll get right into the episode. SoundCloud shoutouts are anybody that likes or subscribes on SoundCloud. Those are the only notifications that I get right now. Um, I really don't get any iTunes notifications. Uh, so, yeah, you can leave a comment. You can leave a like on SoundCloud. And then the following episode, whatever I record, I'll give you a shout-out. Uh, this week, I only have two shout-outs to do. Uh, Jennifer uh, Villafane, V-I-L-L-A-F-A-N-E, and Phyllis Reed. Uh, thank you very much for your support on SoundCloud. I very much appreciate it. Uh, so yeah, that's it for the intro. Uh, yeah, uh, see y'all next week. going on everybody thank you for checking out a new episode of the baba core core podcast uh today on this segment of the episode i have larry baragan of hellstar how you doing man doing good man good to be here thank you for having me yeah thanks for doing this man i'm pretty stoked about this event uh so we're here set up live at the utsa institute of texas cultures uh for the uh return to the middle capital uh, event uh how exciting is this man Man, it's big. I, I didn't anticipate it to be so so big, but it, it's exciting, man. It, you know, to kind of relive that era and and uh, kind of go back in time and and see some old friends like guys in Bifus and Donnie and all those guys. You know, um, everybody's kind of just you know keep it keep it going. You know, yeah. And uh, you know, I'm proud. I'm proud to be here. It's a, it's an honor because 
you know, we're really from from Houston. Mm. But uh, you know, like I was, I was did this interview last night, and I said we came here to San Antonio, and you know, we had a small following in Houston. Mm-hmm. But we had a huge following here. Yeah. And so when we started doing interviews and stuff, it was like uh, they would say. You know, hey, you guys, how's it going? You guys are from San Antonio, and, and we wouldn't say no, we're not. We were yeah, like, yeah, yeah, man. You know, they, we're adopted, so um, even more so to be an adopted son to, to be a part of this is really, really cool. Yeah. What was the scene different like between Houston and San Antonio with the '80s metal scene back then? San Antonio was ahead. Yeah, you know, way ahead. Um, like I said, we were playing to big crowds here. It wasn't until like '86. Uh, that Houston kind of was like, oh, these guys are from here. And, you know, it, we had to come here to make a scene happen in Houston. Yeah. So, um, you know, you, you, you did have some hard, a few hardcore fans in Houston. But, I mean, we came here the, the first time we played. That was our first experience with, like, a, a full crowd of headbangers. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that was cool. We were just like, whoa, this is, like, for real over here. You know? Yeah. So tell the listeners a little bit about Hellstar. Like, how would you describe it to the, to the listeners? Um, I mean, we've been around for over 30 years. We've got 11 albums out. Um, uh, I mean, we're kind of a... We started off kind of sounding like Maiden mm. and Priest and, you know, Angel Witch. Those were our main influences, sax and stuff like that. <clears throat> but as... Uh, as time went on, you know, we found our own sound, kind of, kind of technical, still kind of power metal type stuff, you know. Um, got the high, you know, the high vocalist and uh, with James Rivera, who's, you know, I consider one of the top metal vocalists mm. today, you know, still. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've we just been doing it forever and, and no, no intention of, of stopping anytime soon, at least. I mean, yeah. we're all going to have to walk away one day, you know. Yeah. And I've told James that, like, well, you know. Me, you, everybody, you know, we're going to walk away one day. But hopefully when we walk away, we've, we've left a, a, li- a nice legacy for, for, uh, for people to, to hear, you know, that, like, man, that band from Texas, they, they were good. Yeah, that's amazing, man. That's pretty rare for a band to stick around that long. You know, the UG bands, like, don't last, like, more than a couple of albums and stuff. So, I mean, how hard was it to, like, to, to keep it all together for that long? It, very hard. I mean, it, you know, the only two original members in Hellstar are James and myself. Yeah. You know? So there, there have been a lot of uh, things that happened along the way in 30 years. And there's hardly any bands that, you know, have all the original members. But, mm-hmm. you know, the, the fortunate thing for us is as, as long as James Rivera is a vocalist and I'm playing guitar and writing songs, you know, it's going to sound like us. And uh, I, I think that we have a unique sound. And that's what really, you know, kind of sets us apart is that you know really james he identifies the band very very well he he may do other uh projects here and there and yeah. sing on some other albums but you know everybody will always go oh that's james a singer from hellstar yeah you know so it always goes back to that that's cool man so thinking about like the, the 80s metal scene like what what's the one thing that like will always stick with you like what's the biggest memory from that scene oh biggest memory for me is just uh like the energy and just how um how big it got, you know, it was like, I mean, you, you turned on the TV and MTV was playing Iron Maiden and stuff yeah. like that, you know, and, and, uh, it was just, uh, it was just like the, the music to listen to, yeah. you know, not, not like underground now it was, you know, mainstream almost. Yeah. And, uh, 
you know, grunge happened and then MTV screwed everything up with <laughs> by by putting, you know, the hair metal bands with the, you know, the real metal bands. And yeah. And uh, I think that was really our demise, not our demise, but the metal, uh, the, the demise of metal a little bit because. You know, you had kids who were like, man, I'm like, just these guys look like girls. You yeah. know, I'm not going to, I don't want to look at, I don't want to watch that. Yeah. You know? And so they would see metal and they would just say like, well, you know, Poison, Exodus, the same thing. They you kind know, of and it's not, you know, like, yeah. muddy up the pipe, you yeah. know, because like, they covered everything under that, that metal umbrella, but it's not. There's so many different genres, so many right. different types, you know, but like right. you said, like when, with MTV people. They saw metal and they saw like Cinderella and yeah. Rat and stuff yeah. like that, you know. You know, and not saying anything you know, really no, bad about that, but it was different. so different yeah. from what what you know what I consider the real metal bands, you yeah, know, that, that were were becoming popular or were popular at the time. You know, if it weren't for Pantera, man, I don't know if metal actually survives. You know, yeah, uh, they kept it alive in the '90s, big time. You know, yeah. So I mean, it's a different age now. Like everybody's like use social media to get the name out there like what kind of like uh strategies did, did, did hellstar use back in the 80s to get the name out like what was that process like man it was just you know just get out there and and flyer the, the if there was a show you went out there and you flyered the the, the parking lot and said hey we got a show too you yeah know? and then uh um you know doing uh uh, radio interviews, you know, whatever we could at the time, you know, and just play. We had to play a lot to, mm-hmm. to, to get your name out there and, and, and kind of um, back then, you know, it was so different because if there was a bad band, you wouldn't really hear about them. And mm-hmm. you, they, they would and there would be a quick demise to that band. Yeah. You know, so the good bands, they rose to the top and the bad bands to the bottom. Yeah. But with social media with the internet and stuff i mean a bad band can just be in your face constantly if they just know how to work it you know yeah. and uh that's what's so different is that you can you can not be that great and you know become quite popular yeah you know so back then uh, i think the integrity was was a little more it was a little more important it was paramount actually you know for us i i, I consider you know the musicianship and all that stuff was was very important and mm-hmm. you, you know you listen to all the texas metal bands like slayer watchtower mm-hmm. militia all those bands man they had they had badass songs but they had chops man yeah and you know ronnie drizomback and his brother are from like another planet yeah. man you know those guys were just just awe and i was in awe whenever i saw those guys play you know first time i saw ronnie i was like wow well you know i might as well take my guitar and make a coffee table out of it you yeah. know so um you know it was different it was very different yeah how how would how'd you go about like finding like new bands back then as opposed to like now like was it just like trial and error at record shops or radio yeah, or? everything it was it was more it was a lot of trial and error going to the uh, record stop shop and, and looking at an album cover and going like man that cover looks pretty cool I'm gonna take it and you're yeah. like oh it sucks you know, but, <laughs> yeah. you know I mean that's how we found Maiden you know yeah. I, I I went to the record store and I said that I don't care. It, it that has to sound badass, yeah. you know. <laughs> and then I bought it and I brought it home. And that first prowler comes on, da 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 da. da. I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah, you know, this is this is what I want to do. And up to that point, you know, we were listening to. I mean, I was listening to a lot of Rush and Black Sabbath, Deep Purple. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of the older stuff, you know. And uh, and then that kind of changed everything. Um, I was 
fortunate enough to see Judas Priest. My brother took me to say, uh, see Judas. Well, we didn't see, we weren't there to see Judas Priest. Mm-hmm. We were there to see Bachman Turner Overdrive. Oh, yeah. And Judas Priest happened to open. Oh, you know, okay. that was yeah, our, yeah. my first introduction to like, oh my God. Yeah. And my brother looked at me and said, did you, did you like that? I was like, hell yeah, that was badass. You yeah. Know? And, and then we, you know, we started looking out for that band and, you know, it just kind of snowballed from there. And we've always been, uh, you know, my brother really has has been the, the main catalyst for you know the things that I listened to as a as a, a as a young kid. You yeah, know? Uh, he like I said, he turned me on to you know Sabbath and Rush and all those guys. So that was the 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 musicianship stuff was already there. Yeah, you know? oh, I want to play good. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's crazy how you mentioned that. Like you, you how you found Iron Maiden and stuff. Like I kind of had that with uh, when I went to go see Pantera and the opening band was Clutch. Yeah, I right. Yeah. And so, like, I never heard them before, and to see a band and to, to like just witness them like live and stuff, it brings a whole new aspect of it. You know, like you didn't know what to expect, you had no expectations, yeah. and then you find this band and they like just blow your mind, and then you become like a lifelong fan uh, through that. That's a great experience to have. Yeah, I think that that's kind of what happened when we came here. I mean, yeah. we, we played with uh, the, our first show here was at the Via Fontana. Uh, the the opening band was the Offenders, then us, and then Slayer. Mm-hmm. And I mean, what what better way to to, to start your San Antonio uh, history but with Slayer, you yeah. know? And um, and so I just remember the that the, the offenders got booed off the stage. Oh yeah! And they were throwing bottles at them and cans, and I was like, oh man, these guys are serious about metal. I mean, oh, yeah. they didn't like them, and I and I was kind of scared because I was listening to them. I was like. The three songs that they got to play, yeah. I thought they were really good. Yeah, they, they had more of a punk thing, and I think that uh, they the crowd wasn't just wasn't down with the punk. Yeah, scene. and uh, so when we came on, there was some trepidation there, but uh, at the same time, you know, we, we did our thing, and I said, "Hey, if the first bottle comes out, we're off," you know. Mm. And no, man, everybody came up to the stage and was headbanging, and I was like, "Wow, this is." this is heaven, you know, it's yeah. the metal capital, you know, exactly that. And, uh, that, you know, that's really, a, a how it all started for us. You know, mm. that show was the, the, the beginning of a long, long, uh, relationship with San Antonio. Yeah. So, uh, the metal mayhem exhibit opens up today too, and it's running for the next six months. Have you, have you checked it out yet? Yeah, I saw it, man. There's some nice photos there and stuff. Uh, I think there's a couple of bands that might be missing, but, you know, overall, it's nice. You know, it's cool. Yeah, they got you yeah. up on the wall, right? Hell yeah. Stars on the wall. Yeah, Hell Stars on the wall. How, how do you like that? Like looking back, like oh shit, look what it looked like back there. Yeah, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's a uh, you know nice long hair and skinny and good looking and everything, man. You know. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's, it's that's life, man. You you know we all get older and we're just fortunate enough to 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 be able to continue doing this yeah. at an old age. You know, I'll be fifty five next. Is, is it July yet? No, not July not next month. Yeah. So next month I'll, I'll be uh, 55, and you know James is you know upper 50s and stuff. So, um, you know I, I I'm I'm blessed, man, to to still do this and and uh, still wave that Texas metal banner and yeah and um, you know not 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 everybody got to do it. Obviously, you know that you know I don't I know uh, Bobby Jasonback is still you know quite active. Donnie's still quite active mm-hmm. and. Uh, McLean, you know, but you don't have those guys in the bands that they, that they started with here in, in, in Texas. Yeah. You know? Whereas we're we're still that those guys, you know, from, yeah. from Texas and stuff. And so 
um, there's definitely a, a sense of pride and, and, and accomplishment in that, you know. For sure, man. So that's cool. So you got a, a new project, right? A new project that, that you're working on now? I do. I have a, a, a rock and Espanol, hard rock and Espanol and metal. It's like a hard rock metal. Uh-huh. Um, the band is named Santa Oscuridad and everything is in Spanish. Yeah. And, uh, uh, that started off with I don't know if you you know Rudy Rocha. Rudy Rocha is a guitarist in the Tejano band La Fiebre, mm. and uh, we're good friends. We've been friends for a while, and uh, you know we hang out. We we went to go see this uh, this band, and they do a, a rock and español tribute, and they play all these songs. And we were there. They're good, yeah. Um, obviously, because two of the members in that band are now in Santa Escuridad, but. Uh, we were listening. I said, man, you know, the only thing that's missing in rock and español is rock. You know, yeah. there was nothing heavy about it. Everything sounded kind of poppy and stuff. Mm-hmm. And just, you know, over drinks, we said, why don't we just, why don't we do a band in Spanish, man? You know, like, we'll just, you know, we'll rock it up and see what, what we come up with. And, and we've come out with a nice blend of music. I don't know if you, did you have a CD of it? I don't have the CD I'll of get, it now. I'll get uh, Chavez to get you a CD. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so you can listen to it. It's, it, it's, it's good, man. I mean, our singer sings, you know, yeah. I mean, it's a... It's, we've got it's the the first thing that we put we self released a, a little EP and we're, you know we're we're shopping it we're trying to get signed and whatnot but um, I'm surprised that you know here in San Antonio I was trying to get a, a gig for us here and there's no no other bands that are doing you know hard rock and Spanish nothing like you know? that no, yeah nothing, man no. and uh, so I'm like well I mean that's probably a good thing because now here we are in this niche that's your niche you know? yeah, for it. That's cool. Uh, so how do people find you on social media? How do people find your bands? And uh, You can go to uh, face. I mean, we're all over Facebook. You can do uh, it's Facebook.com, uh, Hellstar.metal, mm-hmm. I believe it is. And then uh, the other one is uh, Facebook, uh, SantaScuridad.rock, I think. Or something. You can just pull up the name SantaScuridad. We're, we're in the top searches for it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, we're out on you know Twitter, but I, we're not really... Uh, like the Twitter maniacs, you know. I mean, nobody does you know. Twitter in San Antonio, really, man. Yeah, it's good because I I really don't do it too much. Yeah, I'll, I'll post something if it's important, like like this thing. You know, I I, I tweeted about it. And, yeah. You know, the whole Instagram thing. You know, we do here and there. I mean, we're, we're there's a presence, but not like Facebook or anything like that. Yeah. Cool, man. Anything you want to add before we wrap this up? No, man. Just thanks for having us out there. I'll get that CD to you, and uh, you know, I look forward to, to the to the return of the metal capital symposium here, man. It looks like it's going to be a big crowd and, and, uh, I'm really, really excited, really, really happy to be here. And thank you for having me on your show, man. No, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Cool. All right, man. Thanks. All right, thanks, man. What up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast. Buster Grant, what's going on, man? How you doing, man? Good to be here. Yeah, thanks for sitting down with me. Uh, you are here representing Wizard. Wizard and Ritual. And Ritual, yeah? yeah. Tell the listeners a little bit about those bands. Uh, Wizard was the first uh, project I was ever involved with. Uh, it was a neighborhood band. We actually all lived in the same area. Met the guys, uh, basically hanging out at my house, and they were looking for a singer after a couple of personnel changes, and... I got in there and we started doing it. The rest was uh, pretty much history. Yeah, man. Yeah. And, you know, they're still a big name. Wizards are still uh, pretty big with a lot of people. You were showing me about the first pressing of that record, huh? Yeah, that first pressing is worth four grand right now. And I had people from uh, Europe and stuff sending me some photos and inquiring about some of the, the records. 
and uh, sales on them, and if and if I had any access to some of the old vintage uh, vinyls. Oh yeah, yeah. That must be insane, knowing that that people still care about that so much after yeah, all this time. Four decades. Four decades. Yeah, it's what eighty. Yeah, eighty three. I think when we started uh, getting the material ready. Yeah, yeah. What was your biggest uh, memory from the eighties metal scene? Oh, the metal scene. Oh man, my first um, taste of it all was definitely San Antonio Slayer and Hellstar yeah. and Watchtower. Well, we were still uh, in the, the adolescent stage of, of uh, you know getting the band together. We already knew about those guys, and we were excited anytime we could basically get to see them. Uh, they were big on our influence, and uh, Steve Cooper, James Rivera, you know Mike from Militia. Uh, the guys in Juggernaut. I mean, it was a pretty crazy uh, time to be able to see the origin of how things were evolving and influenced by a lot of the uh, underground uh, scene with Hogwall Records. Yeah, they Ruin Luna and, and Dave over there. To me, they were the ones who turned us on to everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, the radio wasn't really playing too much of the heavy stuff back then. You couldn't really find it unless you had connections. And back then, there was no internet. Yeah. If you had friends in Europe and stuff, it was all by mail. It's like, hey, check out this cassette or hey, check this out. And uh, I was pen pals with the the singer from uh, Overkill back then. That's crazy. And, and, and Doro. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, that, that there was still that way of communication because there was no social media. The no. internet was not, not even a thought then. Yeah. So, like, just, like, learning, like, Going record shopping. You know, That's like right. You, trial and error just to find out what yeah, you Yeah, I mean, you know, a lot of us weren't driving at this, so we either get on our bikes or the bus or walk yeah. to go get to Hogwall Records, see, look on the wall, see who was playing, see what, uh, see what was going on, man. I mean, there was no social media. You'd have to call everybody and yeah. get on the rotary phone and say, hey, man, we're going to be over here at Via Fontana checking out Slayer or Watchtowers in town or, you know, another, a new band, Militia's coming. I mean, that kind of stuff is what what we were all about that's so insane to think about man uh so that uh metal mayhem exhibit just opened up have you had a chance to check it out yet <laughs> yeah yes sir i've seen uh, uh i saw the initial one that uh, ruby did over at text pop which uh-huh. is really the start of all this and getting all the dragons out of the dungeons and everybody creeping around and getting together and integrating and talking about the old times and then it continued with the other one uh here that we had the first one with all of the more uh promoter, radio, uh, DJ type people that were talking about. Joe Anthony, uh, Lou Roney was here, uh-huh. and Jack Orban. And uh, that was the forefront before the metal started. Yeah. And this is why uh, they wanted to get together and do another phase of this to mm-hmm. talk more about the actual metal origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Joe Anthony was, was the major influence for giving us no doubt the radio support that we needed had had he not done that it would have probably stayed very underground yeah yeah he supported us i can remember hearing carry on slayer watchtower wizard the uh, ritual you know all all of us on on radio middle of the week yeah at night and definitely on the weekends yeah, yeah that must he, have been exciting he used to, hear he used to play radio. it yeah. uh, on primetime yep he used to play these metal vinyl songs in bands on primetime Joe Anthony. yeah which was, you don't get that. Yeah. You, to this day, you still don't get that kind of local support ever. Yeah. And to me, I think that's why San Antonio is the heavy metal capital. Yeah. Because, I mean, who else 
had mainstream unsigned metal heads getting their material played during the week. Yeah. Yeah. Very supportive. The radio. Very, very. Joe Anthony was the, he was the godfather for it. Definitely. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, so how important is it to you to be a part of this thing? Like, is it mind-blowing to you? <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here with these guys. I mean, you know, we, uh, we've all had different uh, avenues and different ventures in our, our musical careers. Uh, metal is definitely my main influence is where I started. But I've, I ventured off into a lot of different genres, rock, alternative indie, metal. But, you know, I, I love my heavy stuff. Yeah. And... Uh, like I said, the uh, the element of them putting something together like this to appreciate it and have all these people that still desire to recognize it is the key yeah. of keeping this alive. I mean, this is definitely history, and for San Antonio and the world, um, it's an honor for me to be up here with some of the guys. And, you know, the other guys from the South Texas Legion, I want to mention James, Art, um, Jason, Mike, Scott. Bob Catlin, uh, all those guys that got to tour, in essence of this, just really kicked it all off again. Yeah. And keeping it supportive to make this something that doesn't fade away. You yeah. Know, it's, uh, they really did good by going out and hitting Europe and doing that stuff. And I'm so excited to, to have known they did all that. No, this is awesome. It's an awesome celebration of like the 80s metal scene and all that. Great to look back and all that stuff. Uh, but before we wrap up, what are you, what are you working on now? What do you want to promote now? <clears throat> well, the, I've been, uh, I'm always writing. I've always been in projects. I've, I've never stopped performing. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now I'm in the midst of finishing up a, a project called Living Dark Days. Mm-hmm. That's L-I-V-I-N apostrophe uh, D-A-R-K-D-A-Z-E. You can find three of the singles out there right now on uh, your digital markets. Mm-hmm. It's a little radio-ish, but it's got heavy vibe to it got some darkness to it well it's living dark days so yeah it's, it's a little bit of a theme of the way the world is right now and how things have changed yeah and uh, it's very dark okay. so i did kind of go back a little dark but it is radio it's not as heavy in the underground essence as some of the stuff we we did back then but i'm, I'm pretty happy with it cool man and uh so besides that how do people find you on social media where can they uh, find you me? find me i i do a lot of more person-to-person stuff on okay. facebook i have a buster grant music on facebook page and right now, I'm just getting ready to start uh, creeping in with some of the stuff of the new stuff. I'm going to try to do a tour this year and uh, see what else I can do, you know? Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you sitting down man, with me. And I'm glad, I'm glad you got us on this, man. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate it. We're about so to start much. here. So, yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, All man. Right, brother. Have a good one. What up, everybody? Welcome to the program. Nacho Vada. How you doing, man? All right, man. How about yourself? Good, good. How's uh, the Barbacoa doing? Barbacoa Core, yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're here. You're with the part of the symposium. Uh, you're representing the, your band, uh, Seance and Byfish. Yeah. Tell the listeners a little bit about that. Who, who, uh, what, are, what are those bands? Um, Seance uh, originated back in 1979 with Don Van Staver and Don, uh, Bob Perez, Bill Lopez. And uh, we had another another drummer, uh, Dave McLean. He joined us a little bit after that, but but that's when we were more known with that. Yeah. And then we did that for a number of years until uh, well, you heard like Bob quit, and then we got Jar Trevino to play lead, and then uh, Don and them took off to Slayer. Yeah. When they did that, 
we did uh, my, me and Bob did seance with a, diff- a number of different musicians, and in '87, no, no, in '82, I made uh, Bill asked me to co- go play with Dave Lee, mm-hmm. which uh, they were in a band called Sabotage, and with Pete Bettis of Riot also, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, w- I went over there and played with them for a little bit, half a year or so, '82, and uh, did one Halloween party. And uh, Bob was there again. He saw me. He says, hey, let's get Seance Act together. Okay, let's try it again. Mm-hmm. So we go again. And then uh, we did that for a few year, more years. In 87, I had enough. They were trashing the house and bringing all these girls over. You know, uh, they were having all rock this. Rock and roll. <laughs> it was, they were getting screwed in my bedroom. And we'd get kegs of beer in the porch. Doors open. Windows open. And what the hell is going on here? Uh, can, can you cuss on Yeah, this? yeah. Oh, okay. whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. We were all there, and then I was, yeah, I used to drink back then. We all did. Yeah. But, of course, I didn't partake in those girls because I don't know who the fuck they were. I mean, mm. you shit, y'all guys are crazy, man. You yeah, don't know yeah. where these girls have been. If they're that easy, <laughs> dude, come on. You know, so yeah. anyway, I was, we were outside in the porch while these two girls were getting laid out there and screwed. Uh, people were just coming in and in and screwing them. And some guy comes to the, to the gate. Hey, man, is this, uh, this your house? I said, Yeah. He said, oh, uh, is this the fuck house? Like, what? <laughs> I said, come on, dude. That's it. Fuck, this is over, dude. Yeah. You know, that, like, during that week, you know, I, I, I said, you know what? This is too much, dude. Y'all, I quit the band. Y'all guys got to get the hell out of here. This is my house anyway. Yeah. Bill was living in my house. He was running out of room. He says, hey, did you quit for real? Said, yes, I did. Hey, why don't you come back and jam with me and Dave again? Sabotage. Okay. So I went over there and checked it out. Not more than a couple weeks later, we came back to my house and and we did sabotage, but they were toying around with Bifus because Bill had called himself Bill Bifus, like like Biff Bifert. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, like Biff Bifert, Bill Bifus, Biff Bifert, kind of pretty close. Yeah. But he he spelled it with a B-I, B-I-F-I-S-T. And they already had a little record out that they did and um, it was really good. But um, I, uh, I said, okay, well, What's the name of the band going to be? Is it still going to be Sabotage? Or? And then Dave Lee says, no, we might go with Bifist, man. Yeah. I said, well, but that's Bill's name. You know, it's his last name, and it's, it's, it's his stage name, mm. B-I-F-I-S-T. I said, well, you know what? Why don't we put a Y instead of an I and call Just it? Change it up. Bi- yeah, yeah. Bifist. That way, it's not his last name. It's, his stage name is B-I-F-I-S-T, but the band name would be Bifist in case something happens. Yeah. We can keep the name. Yeah. Sure enough, man. He, it was cool. Everything was cool, and um, a year, not even a year later, it was out of the band. So I said, "You see, mm. if we would have kept with another name, we'd have to start all over with another name." So that's how that name came about, and that's how Bifus came out in June of '87. Yeah, and y'all yeah. been going since then, huh? Well, we played from uh, June '87 to um, maybe June '91. Mm. In uh, in '88, like uh, we started with Bill. Singing, and in '88 we uh, got another singer named uh, David Reese. Mm-hmm. He was from South Carolina, and he was in town. And somebody mentioned about that hey, this guy's a good singer, so we went ahead and uh, got him. Mm-hmm. Now, a year later, we went ahead and uh, had auditions, and uh, that's how Vic Real came into the picture in '89. And in between this '88 '89 period, we had a manager. Uh, it was Phoenix Entertainment. And we were paying him, me and Dave were paying him to fly to New York and L.A., mm-hmm. back and forth, to get us signed. So we were trying to get signed, and he met Dave Wayne. Mm-hmm. And he told Dave Wayne about us, 
I mean, he, we, he brought Dave Wayne down. We paid for his ticket from Seattle, come down, check it out. Or L.A., because he was in L.A. Yeah. And uh, that's how we met Dave Wayne. And we became friends, and he, we stayed friends until he died. Yeah. And then we did Bifus, like I said, with Vic, 88 to 89, 91, June 91. We stopped. And for like nine years, we stopped playing. Mm-hmm. In 99, we came back and played again. But during this time, from 92 to 97 or so, I was... Uh, uh, I had started going to a, to a church and uh, actually went to Bible college and got my little degree. Yeah. So I can, I'm a reverend actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> so no, no, I, uh, no. I did that thing and then we, I started doing Christian bands with Bob yeah. from Seance. He started going to church too. We were called Jira. Mm. Jira and the uh, J-I-R-E-H. And then uh, from then we, uh, another Christian band asked me to go play with them mm-hmm. like a, a year later 98 I believe and they were called Igniter mm-hmm. so I played with those guys and a year later that's when Dave called hey man let's get Bifus back together Yeah. and I told him well I'm playing with a Christian band but you know what I'll record the album with you but I don't want to go tour with y'all because I'm doing the, the Christian thing mm-hmm. it's okay but then um, after that we the, the, the band broke up Igniter broke up then I got back just saying I mean a Bifus only and then in 2002, Dave Wayne calls, and he wants me and Dave to join him yeah. in his band, Reverend. Uh-huh. So that's how we got into to be with Dave Wayne and Reverend from 2002 until he died in 2005. And then we got Bifus back together mm. in between this time. And Bifus has been going until Dave, uh, when uh, in 2010, uh, we got a Vic, a Vic back with us. Mm. And... Uh, his wife was there encouraging to to play. So we said, come on, go play with Bifist again. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in uh, but in June of 2010, or July, she got into a motorcycle accident and passed away. And then, uh, oh, and then <laughs> um, two months later, on October 1st, Dave Lee passed away. Wow. So two deaths pretty quick. Yeah. So Dave, Vic and I were, man, what are we going to do? We started getting the musicians back together that we played with and uh, we were going to, Start again. Mm-hmm. We played one show in Houston, like in June, the following year. Mm-hmm. And the next month, July 2nd of 2011, Vic got into a motorcycle accident and passed away too. Mm. So, man, that was really down. But uh, and about two, two years later, 2012, I met the lead guitar player for this, for Bifus here, Ernie, mm-hmm. through with our drummer. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, uh, we, he met, he told me about Raul the singer, and then we got Stony, and this is how this, how this band started from 2013 to present day. Yeah. And so that's how Bifist is still going. That's cool. And y'all were like the first metal band to perform in the UTSA Institute of Texas Cultures. Yeah, everybody was like, so that's pretty, pretty freaking impressive, out on that. Like, man. Wow, yeah. man, how did y'all do that? Uh, we got asked, you know, Rob called me. That's cool. Uh, so yeah, they're they're kicking us out of here right now. We'll, so we're we'll gonna do wrap a it up. We'll do a, a long one yeah. later, run. Okay. Uh, but yeah, cool. Thanks. Uh, thanks for doing this for me. All right, me. man. Okay. All right. Awesome. Thanks, Pat.